listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another new episode of ESL Talk. And today we're talking about how to teach speaking skills through stimulating discussions. Um, before we hear from our guest, Michelle, who's an ESL coach and translation expert, uh, let's talk about this ourselves a little bit to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, first of all, Faye, how exactly do you embed and teach speaking skills? Um, I find that you, as a teacher, it's, once you're more experienced teaching, you end up kind of doing that second nature Um finding ways to incorporate more discussions and, you know, just always like throwing the ball back to your students, even when they ask you a question and just helping them build that confidence to, to speak to each other in class. If it's a group class to speak to you, if it's one-to-one or to other people when they're outside in the real, uh, real world. So I just find that every time we are interacting, we should be, helping them improve their speaking skills. Um, And that could be by just simply giving them alternatives to expressions they maybe overuse or helping them come up with different ways to express their ideas um, and stuff like that. I find that that's how we end up embedding it more. How about Mm -hmm. for you, Daniel? Yes, I would say repetition and persistence and kind of gentle correction of errors that come up. So... um, you know, especially with simple things like plurals or um, using the wrong um, adjectives or using the wrong tense. Um, these are things we can usually usually clean up pretty quickly just through um, lots of constant reminders and gentle um, correction. So I think that's a good thing. Um, the more kind of subtle things like pronunciation um, and uh, grammar, 
um, some grammar rules and also kind of vocabulary as well that, that takes a bit more specialized um, time and learning um, to get those those speaking skills there. But embedding them, yep, lots of repetition, lots of gentle correction. Um, and then the speaking skills themselves, I would say that these need to be broken down into specific purposes. So mm-hmm. why do we need this skill? Why should we learn this? How is this going to help us do X, Y, and Z? So um, okay. yeah, I think you touched on a very um, you touched on a very interesting point about correction too. Um, we definitely want to keep our students motivated to speak, right? So what you said about gentle correction, I think, is a great way to just be mindful of. Uh, correcting our students yes especially like you said um depending on their on the purpose of of their skills of why they're learning to speak actually if it's for work for school or for day-to-day um and also focusing on those um let's say mistakes that are really things that will get in their way for that and um definitely being gentle about it right because if we end up overdoing it then they'll climb up a bit. So with that in mind, how can we stimulate them to speak and discuss um, content in classes? Yes. um, I think initially you need to stimulate it through creating a a really positive and a really um, high energy and enjoyable classroom environment. So I think that's the first thing. If you have an environment where students can speak freely, where they can make mistakes, where they don't have to worry about being judged or maybe made fun of if they make an error. I think that's that's huge um, initially. So I'll try to always have that balance and not take lessons really super seriously. Of course, they are serious, but we need to have a little bit of um, a little bit of fun, a little bit of humor in there. So that definitely helps a lot. Um, again, you can stimulate them by giving them really interesting and enjoyable topics. So mm-hmm. if the topic yeah. is interesting, then more than likely that the students are going to have a lot to say about it. Um, doesn't have to be like super controversial or super political, but if we can ha- try to have something which, you know, might have polarizing views or people might think very differently about, I think that mm-hmm. can also be really, really useful. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be, again, like things that are going to upset or cause, you know, offense to anyone, but just mm-hmm. things where you could get different views. Um, you know, you might look at something mundane like, um, population but then you could maybe move that towards declining birth rates in many western countries Mm -hmm. you might talk about why people are choosing to get married later in life or why uh, for example people buy certain things and they don't buy other things and you can connect that and tie that into lots of different um, Mm -hmm. you know experiences that students have so I think trying to tie it to students interests students knowledge and what students um also care about and what they have experience of. I think that's really useful to get them speaking and, and speaking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what approaches would you take, Faye? Um, yeah, I find that just relevant topics. Like you said, it has to be like something that they would have an opinion on and would be relevant for their situation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if I'm, let's say, teaching, I used to uh, work with um, elderly immigrants with the three yes. classes we did then maybe I wouldn't bring um, an article about the language of texting or, you know, or social media so much. Um, mm-hmm. But then you could play it safe or bring topics um, that are more universal that all students like talking about, like food or even travel or talk about their life experiences, you know, yes, um, comparing so. cultures. So I think it's important for us to remember who our students are and what their, like you said, their interests and what is relevant for them and what they would have an opinion on. Like I said, mm-hmm. like not necessarily be controversial, but 
something that they would be able to form an opinion about or, right. or maybe give them some food for thought um, sometimes yes. if, like to bring in some things that maybe they hadn't thought of before. Like uh, in my conversation class uh, a while back, we did uh, something about fast fashion and, you know, the problem with cheap clothing that, you know, creates a lot of waste. And I find that a lot of people don't think about that. They just think, oh, I shop at, let's say, H&M or whatever, because it's cheap and it's, you know, easy right. and all that. But then what does that create? So that, that, that kind of thing, like, like you said, it's not completely polarizing, but it would make them maybe think about yeah. something and form an opinion and have a discussion, right? I think um, you can't really go wrong with that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, true. Now, how about for um, large group classes? Do you think that that changes much? Is it easier or harder to manage those discussions? Yeah, it, it's tricky because um, I've had situations with with larger classes where I've had two groups and one group can't, they say, I can't concentrate, I can't listen because mm -hmm. of the other group mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. there's so many conversations going on for me trying to assess or give feedback. It's very difficult. Sure. Um, so you can do it in a few different ways. For larger groups, you could have one group just speaking and the other group observing, taking notes. Mm. Uh, having getting ready to ask questions, maybe giving um, feedback, um, constructive feedback. Um, so you could do it that way if you just want to focus on one group. You could also do it as with some element of control as kind of like a seminar where people listen to each other, they all take turns, um, mm -hmm. and they all have different contributions to give. Um, another thing to do it is kind of more freely where you'll try to separate into smaller groups. So instead of having just two groups of five, maybe having... Uh, four groups of three or four. So smaller groupings could also work. So you don't mm -hmm. have two big ones. Um, and then I also like to time the discussions. And the reason that I like to time it is so that students can think about their summary skills, their paraphrasing skills, mm -hmm. their checking and clarifying language, uh, their note-taking skills as well. Note-taking mm -hmm. is, um, is actually really important for good speaking. And a lot of people might not think about this. And um, I think to be a good speaker, you have to be a good listener. Um, and if you're taking yeah. notes and processing what you hear, not just um, you know through listening, but also through reading and writing of those mm -hmm. ideas, you can process them and have a deeper meaning. Yeah. Um, so I think for bigger groups, have some controls and some rules, but not too many. Mm -hmm. um, and try to keep it quite structured. Um, and if you're going to have, you know, a topic that everyone's discussing, maybe have one group look at the positives, one looks at the negatives and have them switch. Or mm -hmm. have one look at it from, uh, I don't know, a Canadian perspective, whilst one looks at it from a... Uh, uh, I don't know, a Brazilian perspective, perhaps, mm -hmm. and try to, you know, engage that way and get them to think about things they might not ordinarily think about and look at the other side, because that's really important for more, you know, um, deeper level and more advanced skills um, of debate, of discussion, of different perspectives as well. Um, mm -hmm. how, how would you do this? Just maybe in an, an online setting with your with your classes? Um, well, well, first with, with, let's say large group classes, when physically what I found uh, also wanted to comment on was helpful, um, was to give people roles in the discussion. Mm -hmm. So, um, kind of like what you said about like, maybe just some uh, one group listening and taking notes, but more like you are like, say the devil's advocate. So you're always going to, you know, look at the other side of it or disagree. Um, or you, you're, you're somebody who's going to question what everybody says. You have to always ask them a question about it or always like, 
mm-hmm. get us for more details and make like roll cards for the discussion. So everybody feels like they're participating. Or also what I used to do with them when it was like, say, a, a discussion of five people discussing. Um, often people stop listening to each other, just waiting for their turn to speak and like thinking about what am I going to say? Uh, right. So I would tell them before they start speaking, they have to comment on what the person said. That's Whether agreeing or disagreeing. And not just say, I agree and move on. Say why you agree and then give yes. your opinion. So I remember yes. doing that a lot in my um, exam prep classes as a rule. Whenever you were going to express your opinion, first you had to comment on what the, the other person said. And it's kind of, again, becomes point. second yeah. nature. Then yeah. just, just to add on to that, um, mm-hmm. I do try to use some mnemonics with students. So, you know, um, approaches. So we have like peel, L peel, or we might even um, have some phrases that they should use. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you say, you tend to get students say, oh, I agree. Or what yeah. do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, again, what's the what's the value in that? So yeah, yeah, I think empty that's words. really important. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, and you mentioned so, online. So yeah, for ahead, online yeah. classes, I find that's really useful to use um, the like the, the the tools that you have. For example, on Zoom, you can do yes. the breakout rooms. Yes. Um, and I do that with my online conversation classes. Uh, mm-hmm. We we rarely have a full group discussion online because it's so hard for students to participate that way. Um, it's much easier to hide behind the screen and just be yes. an observer. So I always do breakout sessions. And the good thing about it, um, the breakout rooms, sorry, the big breakout rooms on Zoom, and the good thing about it is that you can hop from group to group. Yes. Um, and then just kind of check in and see how they're doing. And I find that us not being there the whole time actually is great for conversation. It can because be. You, you hear some very interesting uh, discussions sometimes. It, sometimes well. you, 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 yes. go, you get there and you're like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> but generally speaking, um, it builds their confidence too, because then we're not there like observing them the whole time, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So um, when it comes to the actual material, so we've talked about some topics or some, you know, some types of materials that might be useful, but what process do you follow for finding the materials for speaking activities? Because I know a lot of teachers find this really tricky, like, well, what's a good topic or what should I choose to talk Mm -hmm. about and how am I going to deliver that? So what's your approach? Well, I'm not going to talk about course books or like ESL materials. I'll just basically Mm -hmm. break down how I plan my conversation classes. I... First of all, on Instagram, I follow on my personal account a bunch of news websites, news uh-huh. accounts. There we go. Or even those there. like, Break yeah, uh, all like CBC News if you want more Canadian content, right? CTV or BBC and all that. And I just follow a bunch of those accounts and also those like good news movement or some more, more uplifting ones. I think um, um, NPR is a pretty good one yeah. that I've used before. Yeah. NPR for like more updated, even like political content and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And when something interesting pops up on my feed, I save it on my awesome. Instagram. And mm-hmm. then same thing, like if I'm just online or on Reddit, because I use Reddit sometimes, and I just kind of save things to like a folder on my computer for ideas. Great and idea. then I pull from there. Um, if... There is, let's say, or and then I try to keep it relevant to the time of year. Or, mm-hmm. for example, let's say there's um, there was like the let's say there's elections in Canada, and I'm working with a lot of students that want to come here or have or are in Canada. Maybe I'll I'll do a lesson on that. Or it's time change um, is happening next weekend, <laughs> right? I did that last time when we when when it was spring and we we were springing forward, That's and cool. we did an article, we did a video on why we shouldn't keep 
doing the time change anymore. Yes. Right. And stuff like that. So that's how I try to find content that is relevant, up to date. And, and once I find that, I basically give my students that as an activity, watching or reading an article at home before we meet. We do that beforehand. And then when we meet, um, I'll have the discussion questions ready. They have read or watched the video, processed the language already. Mm -hmm. We'll go over some of the language items and then we have the discussion in groups and then a little bit as a, they could just get it back together and just kind of debriefing at the end. Um, How about you? Do you have any other tips or tricks up your sleeve? Yeah, um, I would say for for what you've said in terms of getting material, I think that's awesome. Um, what I tend to do is, again, I kind of organically, not in exactly the same way that you do, but organically, if something pops up, I'm like, oh, I like this, I'm going to bookmark it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a super hardcore news article. It could be something from the world of science. It could be a TED talk that I found, yeah. a video that I like. Exactly. Um, so Again, I have a pretty wide approach. If something is engaging and interesting for me and I think students might like it, I'll just kind of clip it and, and save it for later, like you said. But I really like that approach of Instagram. That's something I might do myself. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we tend to find, and, and I know Michelle is going to talk about this as well a little bit later, is that materials in course books and textbooks are kind of outdated and they're not really They get relevant. dated so fast and that's yes. the problem. Yes. Even when there are new editions out, within two years, it's all right. changed, right? And it's like... Yeah. And Not it, it kind of ties in for me is I think about my students and I think about their backgrounds, their culture, yeah, yeah. what kind of issues that they might face or things that they exactly. might experience. Um, so like I said, to go back to my other example, um, I have some students who are from the Middle East and, you know, we have different cultural issues and we have religion and we have you know different kind of roles in society. Mm-hmm. Um, so certain topics that, might seem pretty normal quote unquote Mm -hmm. for Canadian audience for those students it gets them really engaged and Mm -hmm. it gets very very polarizing and very diverse uh, perspectives so for me I think if that's going to be something that's going to engage students and get them really thinking and talking a lot I think that's what makes it suitable Mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes it into a good lesson so like for me you know if, if you were going to say what does a good speaking lesson look like mm-hmm. i would say it's one where we have multiple um, perspectives we have lots of different opinions we have lots of unique and interesting language yeah. um and like you said preview the topic maybe not this whole article but maybe preview the topic beforehand generate yeah. ideas give some comprehension questions um, and then set maybe not just one question, but one main question with some sub points and have them discuss and talk about that. Um, And I think that's really successful. And again, as a teacher, when you're listening, take good notes and give good feedback. That's what makes a a good lesson, a great lesson for speaking. Absolutely. And you touched on an interesting topic about making it interesting for that specific group. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing like you said, we should always, we're always kind of like listening in or always searching for, or just maybe, maybe being open to new topics. Right. But that can come from your students as well. And I find that often I'll be doing a lesson on, I don't know, uh, we were doing a lesson once about uh, global warming and a student touched on the topic of food, the food industry. Mm -hmm. And then I basically said, Oh, is that something that you guys are interested in? We can do a, we can use that next week as a topic. 
Right. And you can always get ideas from your students and then go to those websites, like you said, TED Talks or certain like YouTube channels. I really like uh, SciShow. There are other YouTube channels I like yeah. that have um, like short video format, like up to five minutes, but that I can just go and search for a specific topic yes. and and then bring that because it's something I know that my students have said, have expressed an interest in. They have said yes. they want to do something on so yeah and just if, you always keep a record, if you keep a track of it and go back to it that's gonna yeah. make you hopefully more valuable to your to your learners as well because they're mm -hmm. gonna build that respect and they're gonna also know that you really care about their learning as well yeah, which, is, exactly. which is which is huge mm -hmm. okay perfect so um that was really interesting um why don't we now hear from our special guest michelle who's going to share her knowledge on the topic of teaching speaking skills to stimulating discussions a little bit more I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, so why don't we hear from our special guest, Michelle, who will share her knowledge on the topic of teaching speaking skills through stimulating discussions. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining us today on ESL Talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to finally uh, be able to, to speak to you today, Michelle. Um, so as we always do, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as an English coach so far? 
Sure. So my name is Michelle Daniel, and the name of my business is The Heart of English. I'm based in Montreal, Canada, and I started working as a French-to-English translator in 2010. I worked for a market research company here in Montreal, and then after that, I decided to go back to school to study translation at McGill University. So during my studies, I started teaching English as a second language. I thought it would be a good part-time job that I could do while I was studying. And I was not really planning at that point of making a career in it, but you know, life turned out otherwise. Um, so at the time, I just placed some ads online and I gave lessons to individuals in the Montreal area. I discovered that I loved teaching English. So in 2018, I did the CELTA program, which as you know, is a certificate in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Um, when the pandemic hit in March 2020, I switched to teaching 100% online. So I stopped um, teaching in person. And that summer, I discovered Elena Mutunono. Perhaps you've heard of her. Um, she's a coach for online language teachers and coaches. I participated in her programs and her community for about a year and a half. And she helped me develop my small business and make it more professional. In addition to English coaching, I do freelance translation and revision. I also work as an interlocutor for the Occupational English Test, which is known as OET. Um, it's an English proficiency test for medical professionals. I've been doing that for three years now. Wow, that's nice. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a lot of diversity, but also a lot of familiarity with our journeys as well. Oh, <laughs> really? Falling in love with teaching kind of by accident, yeah. and, you know, and then pandemic and teaching online and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Same for me too. And it's, it's really interesting that you mentioned um, Elena because um, she's actually going to be presenting at, a, at an event that I'm going to be also presenting at on Friday. So I just remembered that name. I'm like, that sounds familiar. So mm -hmm. it's a really small world. It's awesome. Nice. Uh, now, speaking about our topic of uh, speaking, and so how do you approach and teach speaking skills to your clients during your sessions? So it took me a couple of years to figure out the best method for my clients, who are mostly adult professionals who are at the intermediate level in English. I do have some advanced students as well. Um, I developed a program in which my clients choose the topics that they want to talk about, I believe it's important for them to choose topics that are meaningful to them and relevant to their lives. Sometimes they choose to discuss a video, an article, a podcast episode, anything that they found interesting, but sometimes they just speak spontaneously as well. Um, each coaching session lasts one hour. For the first half hour, the client does most of the speaking while I listen and take notes. Mm -hmm. um, then we work on vocabulary and pronunciation that came up during the previous session. And finally, we do some grammar exercises together. And I try to choose grammar exercises that are specific to their needs. Mm -hmm. um, how come you do that delayed um, feedback? Could you ex explain that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, that's a good work with the previous session, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so the reason I do it is because most of my clients um, like to receive their feedback after the session. And 
there are many reasons for this. First of all, I don't interrupt them while they're speaking. And I think that's one of the top reasons is mm -hmm. that they can just speak freely. They don't have to be like bracing themselves, expecting me to interrupt them. And that builds their confidence. Um, you know, I'm listening actively. They feel mm -hmm. listened to. Uh, and then I give the feedback after the session, usually like the next day. Um, I provide two different things, an audio recording of my voice saying a list of words for them to practice their pronunciation and expand their vocabulary. And also um, a document that I call feedback on speaking, which is a list of sentences that they said. And I use highlighting and underlining to indicate their errors. And then they reformulate this, those sentences. Oh, that's great. Wow, really, really nice methodical <laughs> approach because some teachers just kind of, they teach without really being aware of, of the, the steps and being kind of, you know, very explicit about how they do that. So it's wonderful to hear your approach, Michelle. So when it comes to the mechanics, um, what methods do you use to embed the mechanics of speaking in your sessions? Is it pronunciation, vocabulary, grammar, fluency, and, and how do you ensure your clients can develop their speaking skills? And like we've mentioned, feedback, but maybe a little bit more uh, granular if possible. Mm -hmm. So like I said, after each session, I provide an audio recording of my voice saying a list of words and phrases that the client had difficulty with. And I also provide a written list. So they practice saying the words out loud Mm -hmm. words and phrases along with the recording and my best clients practice every day with the recording and I really see a huge difference from one session to the next because these are all of those words and phrases are words that they had difficulty with and then the mm -hmm. week after they might have difficulty with just four or five you know out of 30 let's say mm -hmm. so it's a big improvement um because they practiced on a daily basis. So, I mean, like almost any, almost everything, consistency is key and like daily practice is the best. So mm -hmm. that's True. what I do for that aspect. Yeah, and in terms of confidence, again, you know, mm -hmm. these activities is one aspect of it, but what are some specific things that you do to help build the confidence of your clients when you're looking at these materials? Mm -hmm. So, First of all, like I believe that people develop confidence by doing things, not just thinking right. about or researching them. And this is true for me mm -hmm. too, not just for the, my clients. Um, I can give you an example of something where I've developed confidence as well. But too often we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about things, thinking about doing it, researching it, but not actually doing the thing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I encourage my clients to speak as much as possible and, you know if possible they speak like 70 or 80 percent during the of the time during the first half of the session where they choose the topic that they want to speak about and the idea here is really that the more they practice the more confident they will become plus i am practicing active listening so they feel listened to they're not afraid of being interrupted by me, which, you know, some of them have told me they've experienced in the past with other teachers, like being interrupted at every few seconds or every right. few minutes, and like it really erodes their confidence. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a, um, 
a way, a nonverbal way of helping the person develop confidence by just listening carefully and caring about what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. By showing that you care, by listening, by nodding, g- giving a thumbs up gesture, smiling. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting like too that you said that you do the you do the speaking, like the let's say free speaking at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. the practice and correction and all that after. Mm-hmm. Is that is that why you do it that way as well? Is it so that they they don't come in feeling defeated while when they're starting to speak? <laughs> or? Yeah, like I think it serves as a warm up also, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know rapport is really important too in developing confidence. Like, you don't want to start right away with, okay, let's go over, you know, the present perfect or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, like, to just start with a chat, like, how was your weekend? Things like that. It makes a big difference for people. And it more, I guess, organically moves into the speaking, right? Part. Exactly. Like, okay, exactly. enough of that. Let's do some grammar. But I actually found it really interesting because just thinking back to my sessions, I often start by reviewing homework. And then mm-hmm. it kind of breaks the flow a bit so i might actually take that yeah. take what you said and mm-hmm. and turn it around a bit and yeah we'll look at homework and all that after i think that was actually mm-hmm. a really interesting way of doing it mm-hmm. um how about I in think, terms of yeah sorry go ahead so in, yeah i think it depends on the age of your client or student mm-hmm. as well sure. like because i'm working with adults and yeah me you too. Know, adults who are 30 and over mm-hmm. age 30 and over um like I, I treat them like a peer and yeah. that also helps them develop confidence. For sure. Yeah. And often it's their like, let's say it's their time to unwind after work or something like exactly. that they to get their minds off things. Yeah. Makes yeah. total sense. Now, in terms of your materials, how do you choose your speaking materials and uh, what process do you use to create them if you do? Mm-hmm. So I've tried different things. Um, I probably have like a hundred, uh, worksheets that I've created on a whole bunch of different topics uh, where I've chosen videos um, from YouTube, you know, but, but from reputable sources like can be news, can be natu- National Geographic, uh, TED Talks, all kinds of things. And then I have like questions about that really um, elicit the person's opinion or uh, get them to analyze critically, and um, but also about the test for comprehension, like types of questions where, like, to make sure that they understood maybe some of the finer details of what that video was about. Um, but especially, I like for them to speak about how that topic relates to them personally mm-hmm. and their opinion, because yeah. as soon as you ask a question like that, people open up. And they become less self-conscious and more excited to express themselves. So I have created a lot of worksheets like that. And I also had a a speaking club called the Smart Talk Club, which I ran for five months this year. Mm -hmm. And I had three sessions per month and they were group sessions. And, um, I, I chose a theme for each month and then within that theme I chose like subtopics, three subtopics per month. And uh, 
for, for each of those topics, I would have three videos or two videos in a podcast episode. And before the meeting, I sent them um, a vocabulary sheet with definitions of words and phrases. And the vocabulary was drawn from the videos. And I also provided a list of reflection questions to help participants uh, mm-hmm. prepare for each meeting so they could write down their answers in preparation to speak. It sounds very similar to what Daniel and I were discussing before, how I, I ran my conversation classes too. And we talked a lot about being keeping it relevant to your students, right? Mm-hmm. The topic has to be relevant as something they relate to or that they, they're interested in. Mm-hmm. I like to hear this process as well, because, you know, a lot of teachers pull two or three or four hours into a class and you're like, if the class is only one hour, then mm-hmm. is that really a good balance? And it's nice to hear, refreshing to hear that, of course, you want to have a well-structured lesson, but you don't have to spend hours and hours, you know, finding and creating and building everything when you can just kind of, you know, selectively choose things that are relevant and just you know, do some activities off of, off of that, which I really like. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so we've kind of touched on this a little already, Michelle, but in terms of giving feedback, what's your process for giving feedback? How do you tie this to the fundamentals of these speaking skills that we're trying to improve? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the feedback on speaking it's about 10 sentences that are drawn from the, the first half of the session where the person spoke freely about a topic that they're interested in. And sometimes I write down more than 10, but then I choose 10 that I think that, that are interesting for that particular client, like mm-hmm. things that maybe come up often for them uh, that they have difficulty with often, whether it's pronunciation, grammar, word order, um, And then I use different colors of highlighting to indicate different types of errors. And I also put notes. And sometimes my notes have links, like links to a dictionary or some other resource, like Grammarly, for example. So they can read an article related to that point to learn more about it. And then they attempt to, to rewrite the real sentences that they said instead of me correcting them, they are correcting themselves. So they learn how to correct themselves instead of passively um, waiting for the teacher to correct them. Right, right. Yeah, I love that because we we neglect those other skills. And, you know, you can take something as simple as a spoken sentence and say, well, why don't we write that sentence down? Why don't you practice speaking it, hear it, check it and then again you're working on all the skills and building you know that hopefully that memory and and that that production skill as opposed to just like you said passively listening and saying yes i know i made an error well what's the development from that right so Mm -hmm. that's that's great now what advice would you give our listeners who want to incorporate more discussions or speaking tasks into their lessons My advice would be to choose topics that your students or clients are genuinely interested in. I think that's the the starting point. Um, Invite them to participate in the selection process, either by voting on topics or by choosing materials. Like they can choose the materials themselves. So they can choose videos, articles, podcast episodes, etc. It could be movies and, you know, many other things that I haven't worked with. Um, When learners are passionate and curious about a topic, they will be much more likely to speak about it and to retain what they learned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really touches on what we we talked about earlier too, um, when Daniel and I were discussing this topic for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Exactly. So um, going forward, Michelle, what are your professional goals and how are you planning to develop yourself further as an English coach? Yeah, so I'm working on my website at the moment with the help of another language teacher who also does graphic design. And I've started making short videos and posting them on Instagram. You can find me at Heart of English uh, on Instagram. And I've started taking a blogging course, and I hope to write some blog posts in the new year. And my main goal at the moment is really getting my website up and running and to create more free content to attract uh, my ideal clients who are adult learners who are at the intermediate or advanced level in English, especially focusing on speaking skills. Mm -hmm. I also want to create a short writing course in the future. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Great goals for the new year. Um, Now, how can our listeners find out more or get in touch with you if they have any questions? Yeah, so I'm active on Instagram and LinkedIn. My Instagram handle, I mentioned it earlier, is Heart of English. So that's Heart of English altogether with no punctuation. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my company name, which is The Heart of English, or under my name, which is Michelle Daniel. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, do give Michelle a follow. Her material is wonderfully presented. It's very useful and it has some really practical and simple ways you can improve your English. Mm -hmm. Please do check that out. All right. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today. And thanks for sharing your insights and thoughts on teaching speaking skills. And you can also connect with us individually on Instagram. Uh, You can connect with me at I'm Daniel Teacher. And for me, it's at Learning with Faye. Remember that Faye is F-E-Y. And we'll be back again next week for another brand new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, or you can visit our website at esl-talk.com, where you can find out more about us and access all of our previous episodes for free. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.